I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Oh, we love it. We love it. And we're loving your suggestions for our mystery word coming in. If you missed it a little bit earlier on, our mystery word this month is slubber de gullion. So S-L-U-B-B-E-R-D-E-G-U-L-L-I-O-N. We want the wrong answer, please. What does that mean, do you think, without Googling 0861800658? Author Grace Tierney is on the line. Grace, great to have you back. It's great to be back and I want a mug of Slubberdy Gullion. It sounds I d- lovely. I do want a mug of Slubberdy Gullion. Uh, apparently it gives you strength. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I'm loving that idea. And uh, there's loads coming in so we will get to our mystery word towards the end. But uh, Grace, you're causing havoc. You're causing havoc this morning uh, and every month with your crazy <laughs> words. Uh, the, the first word on your list though is havoc. Tell us about this. It is. It is havoc. And I sure we have to throw a bit of havoc onto the onto the broadcast wave oh, yeah. now and then, don't we? Uh, in my house, it's, it's a popular word. Uh, anything about chaos or messy behaviour. Um, but it has plenty of history and it has links back to the military, to English kings and to Roman emperors. So mm. there was plenty of stories on this one. Um, I don't know if you ever studied Julius Caesar. Is that a leaving cert one? It wasn't my a year. Anyway. That's all I know. Ah, okay. So you have a bit. But uh, but if you if you're a Shakespeare buff, there is an immortal line by Mark Antony and Julius Caesar, and he's alone with the murdered body of his friend Julius, and he's imagining how angry he would be, and he would return as a ghost, seeking vengeance on his assassins, because you know Julius got stabbed. That spoiler alert, and he says, "Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war." But I was kind of like, "What the heck are the dogs of war? And what's havoc? And why would you yell havoc?" Um, and it's quite interesting. So the dogs of war is basically a reference to trained soldiers and they're ready to engage in battle. They're straining on the leash sort of thing. And as soon as their military commander says, you know, go, let's slip, off they will head. But the havoc part is also military. So it's been part of the English language since the early 1400s when to cry havoc was to give the signal to pillage pillaging with going in and robbing everything you yeah. wanted, right? So it's borrowed from French and they used to say Crier Havoc in the early uh, 1300s and it originated there in an old French word Havot, which meant pillage or loot. And Havot comes from Haver to seize or to grasp 
and it either comes from a Germanic source or possibly from the Latin verb haber, I guess, to have. So it's all about grabbing what you want, basically. If you're saying havoc, it means go and grab it. It should be quite good at the beginning of the sales season. You know, January sales, (laughs) that's definitely havoc, officially. Um, But the idea of havoc, presumably in the aftermath of pillaging, the sort of chaos afterwards, arose in the late 1400s. And it wasn't just about pillaging. It was a different military order at that point, and it meant to massacre without any mercy. There was no quarter given. You were going to go in and wipe out everybody, which is obviously not a good thing, just to clarify. We don't approve of this. No, no, no. Thankfully, this order itself was actually outlawed. It was removed from military parlance at that point uh, during the reign of King Richard II of England. And he outlawed it. You know, he didn't go, oh, there'll be a fine or no, tut, tut, you shouldn't do that. It was outlawed on pain of death. Ooh. Yeah. Wowzers. Okay, so I can see kind of why havoc is used with teenagers to an extent. They do. They just go in there without any regard for anybody. They create havoc and, uh, you know, they act like animals. Do you know what I mean? This is So I can completely see why that havoc would be associated with teenagers as well. It really does make sense, does. doesn't it? Really yeah, does. but, does. you know, thankfully we're not killing people with no, havoc no. anymore. Though. No. No, it's, uh, that's gone. That's gone by the wayside. Now, ambiguity. I remember the first time I used that in an essay and I thought, oh, I'm using my big vocabulary now. <laughs> well done. <laughs> did you get extra points? I ah, hope you look, did. Guys, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, this one's actually inspired from last month's chat because oh, yes. we we used uh, parasol- parasology as our mystery word. We did. Uh, so this is a test. Can you even remember what it meant? But it, w- it was about ambiguous ambiguous yes, language. We did love right? all the parasol related things. It was uh, yeah. the things I remember was someone had said uh, a fe- an unusual fetish for parasols. Was that was the one that stuck with me as well. It's not funny. <laughs> and there was a lot of chat about Paris Hilton as well which yes. amused me. It got very celebrity tinge last month. Anyway the whole idea of that and ambiguity reminded me I've actually never done ambiguity. 15 okay. years on the blog and I never did ambiguity and I actually quite like the word. It sounds nice and it's spelt interestingly. So let's go with ambiguity. It entered English around the 1400s to describe uncertainty, doubt or hesitation. And that's you know the same kind of meaning that we use today. It came from Old French ambiguity and Latin ambu- ambiguitatum, uh, double meaning, or ambiguous, which is spelled differently but sounds the same. Uh, again, having a double meaning. And they come from the verb ambiguare, to dispute or debate. Um, but they literally translate, I love this, they're formed from ambi, meaning about, and agere, to drive or to move. So it means to wander about. So it's mm. kind of linguistically, you're wandering about with your meaning and slightly obscuring it from people, which is quite clever sometimes to do that. The first use of it in English, we actually have a date which is rare. Uh, for 1528, it was in a piece written by Sir Thomas More. <clears throat> And that seems really appropriate to me because he lived in extremely turbulent political and religious times and careful use of ambiguous language would help you keep your head or avoid a bonfire because really, if you came down on the wrong side, things could go badly wrong for you. This is he before was, cancel culture as well. you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, you got cancelled back then. You know, you weren't just Permanent. off social media. It was yeah. a lot worse. Yeah. Um, he was an English lawyer, judge, social philosopher, an author and a statesman during the reign of Henry VIII. Okay, so he refused to accept Henry as head of the Church of England. 
not a good move, Thomas, mm. and did not like the legality of the end of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon, Henry's first wife. Again, really not a smart move, Thomas. Um, after refusing to take the oath of supremacy, he was convicted of treason, executed, but later in 1935 was canonised as a Roman Catholic saint. So he said ambiguity. He's the first one to say it in print, which is quite interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. You'll remember that now when you go start doing your essays for leaving sir people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, reprobate, reprobate, not one that I'm going to use too often, I'll admit. Oh, okay, well, that's fair enough. And I'm sorry, but it's reprobate. Oh, reprobate, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, it's spelt reprobate. Yes. So it's, it's good for listeners to hear it both ways. Um, and we're going to get into how it's spelled as well. So I quite like this word and somebody used it in passing. And I was like, oh, I have to try this out. So it turns out it's a really useful word for your essays. Um, so you can use it as an adjective, a noun and a verb. So any of the words that have that kind of usually indicate that they've been used a lot um, throughout history because it's evolved and, you know, it's popular, basically. Mm. The oldest version is the verb and it's not used that much anymore. Um, to reprobate has been with us since the early 1400s. It's borrowed from late Latin, which had a verb, a verb reprobare, to reject or to condemn. And the meaning of the verb in English evolved over time. By the 1600s, it meant to reject, to put away or to set aside. The next to arrive is the adjective. So again, 1400s, you can use it to describe something as rejected as worthless. So, uh, I don't know, maybe you're building a wall and one of the stones is no good. You would describe that stone as reprobate. The Latin roots are the same again. So, re meaning back or again and probare to prove to be worthy. So a related legal word, which you might have been thinking about with your probate bit, yeah. is getting probate for a will or inheritance. So the idea is that you're proving that the will is correct and worthy. But mm. then re means it's not worthy. So it's kind of inverting the word, if yes. that makes any sense. Um, and then finally we get the noun. It comes in the 1500s, middle 1500s. But by then it had gone quite religious in tone. It was somebody who had re- had been rejected by God because they were given over to sin. Oh. So really, really very naughty if you're a reprobate. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, now someone else who's naughty is a rapscallion, which I love. And you often see these kind of characters popping up and, you know, or people being described as a real rapscallion in like classical <laughs> literature, don't you? Yeah, and I love all of these words. I, at some, yeah, I kind of collect these ones. I love Rascal. Yes. And any of the versions of Rascal I really enjoy. I think I was obsessed with the rugged Rascal running around the rock, you know, that yes. rhyme back in the day. But uh, Rapscallion is a close cousin of that. So uh, Reprobate set me on this path. Now, it's not, just to be clear, a Rapscallion is not a spring onion or a scallion, right? <laughs> And it is not, but I think it should be an absolutely fabulous name for a rap artist. Oh, yeah. You know, DJ Rapscallion. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it. that'll be my name if I ever get into that world. <laughs> they don't want me, trust me. Well, you would be a good wordsmith. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I couldn't do it as quickly. They're very talented. <laughs> anyway, so it's actually a variation of Rascal. <laughs> so okay. there you go. It's, so it's perfect. You can call a naughty child or an adult messer. They're a Rapscallion. Um, and it has roots back in the French fondness for revolution 
revolution and protest. And, you know, the French still like to have a good oh, old do. protest, oh, as we know, in current times. So the rapscallions joined English in the late 1600s and it described a rascally, disorderly or despicable person, which I think is a great definition. Earlier in the 1600s, you would have had sort of evolving versions of it. So there was a rascallion without the P in it, which was an elaboration of rascal. And there was even a rascabillion before that. So it's, it's kind of, it's been edging its way into the language until we settled onto rapscallion. Uh, related words, which I just adore. There's a rare 1800s collective noun. So you know the way they're like murder of crows. Mm. So if you have a collection of rascals, you can call them a rapscallionary. (laughs) I really should have used that for the mystery word because I just think it's fab. Um, And for the art of being a rapscallion, you would be practicing rapscallionism. Oh, yeah. That sounds yeah. like you could get a, a degree in rapscallionism. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I would study for that. You would. I would really like that. <laughs> it would look fab in your CV, wouldn't it? Um, so a rapscallion elaboration of rascal. So naturally, I had to go and have a little dabble into rascal. It dates to the mid-1300s and it described rabble, foot soldiers and dishonest or tricky people, Mm. which covers a multitude, really, most of your listeners, I would think. And (laughs) it comes from old French rascale, which was a rabble or mob. And certainly we know that the French mob has caused a few revolutions over the centuries. Before French, the path is a bit more obscure, but it may come back to rascare, which means to scrape. Uh, which is a Latin verb, and it's related to the word rash in English. You know, if you have a rash in your arm, it's back about scraping your arm in Latin. (laughs) I just... find that fascinating. That is crazy. The concept might be that the mob of rascals were kind of the scrapings of the barrel. They were the lowest scrapings of society. That's that's as close as we can get. But yeah, the rapscallionary. The rapscallionary. Well, they're on here, the rapscallionary on 0861800658 for our mystery word. So our mystery word was slubber de gullion. And uh, we have John. He says, it means you're knackered after climbing sleeve gullion. That's a good one. Uh, the, we loved this one as well. It's the very, very original soup that's eaten in restaurants in North Loud to promote great strength. Men flock to taste the slubber de gullion soup. It's kind of on the same level as salmon of knowledge. Uh, says Tarina uh, someone gulping their food and slobbering we've had a lot of that uh, that's coming in from Patrick as well this one goes a step further it's when you slobber onion and scallion soup all down your beard and jumper and onto your trousers it has to be on the trousers as well otherwise it's just called a mess <laughs> This is this one. Uh, Sinead, could it be when you someone eats so much that they're nearly falling asleep with contentment, like sitting patting their belly like a Cheshire cat, says yeah, Wendy. Yeah. Now, someone's going the other way, uh, miles away from food. A slubberdy gullion sounds like a form of medieval torture, says a message Ooh. here. Yes, I'm interested in that one. Uh, a crying fool, says somebody else there. Now, I had kind of said, was it a bit of an Egypt, like, you know, uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Slippity Ginnet. You know, she's a bit of a Slippity mm-hmm. Ginnet there, a bit of an Egypt. What, though, does it mean, Grace? I love all of those. I really do. I wish they could all be true. And I'm delighted that some of the, the Sleeve Gullion mentions got in because I was thinking about that when I included <laughs> it. I, and yes, climbing up Sleeve Gullion will leave you quite tired. I've done it and it is. I could have done with the soup afterwards. Yeah. Um, Right, so I'm going to tell you how we form it and then I'll tell you what it means. Okay. So there's three words joined together, right? So slubber, to smear or to behave carelessly. It comes from Dutch or German. 
de, de in the middle of a word apparently means insignificant and we have it in oh. hobbledehoy and gobbledygook. Oh, yes. Yeah, which makes sense when you say it, yeah. but I never thought of it when I was looking at the word. And then gullion sadly does not have anything to do with sleeve gullion. Oh. I'm so sorry. I wish it did. Um, it actually comes from gullion in French, which was a sloven. Okay, so when you join slubbering, so smearing and little and sloven, what you actually get is a 17th century term of contempt, meaning a dirty or wretched slob. Oh, so you're just a, oh, you're a slob. Okay, yeah. no, no one went there with that one. I think I set them off on the wrong path earlier on, but that's brilliant. Okay, so a slubberty gullion, like you're just a real slovenly slob, basically. Yeah. It's an insult. So that that chap that said, oh, he'd slubbered his dinner all over his beard and stuff, you could then accuse him of being a slubberty gullion. Oh, look at the mess he made. You're a slubberty gullion. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Grace, as always, thank you so much for all of that information about words. Highly entertaining as always. And we'll chat to you again next month. You're very welcome and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Grace Tierney there. Wordfillery.wordpress.com That's where you can find everything about Grace and her writing and her books and everything else. And I have to say, all of those suggestions are absolutely brilliant. We're going to put them all into the hat for the book and we'll tell you the winner after these. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.